The Lifestylist, episode 178, featuring Jim Quick. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. One of the reasons I started the Lifestylist podcast is simply because I am obsessed with learning. So if you listen to the show, you know that I'm very curious and like a sponge when it comes to interviewing my guests. What you might not know is when the mic's not on, I'm still learning all the time. And one of my favorite places to learn is Skillshare. Skillshare is an online platform with over 20,000 classes. So I've got a little hookup for you guys here today I want to share. If you go to Skillshare.com forward slash Lifestylist, they're about to give you two months of Skillshare access for 99 cents. You're going to get access to 20,000 classes. That's Skillshare.com forward slash Lifestylist. Now, the things that I like to learn on there are totally random. I'll want to learn something on piano or guitar or learn how to take better iPhone photographs, or even just step up my social media and video production game. Um, Something I'm working on all the time is like improving the lighting when I do the videos of this podcast, which by the way, you can usually watch on YouTube. And if you see badass lighting on there, chances are that I learned it from Skillshare. So I just sit on there and just kind of like fiend out. Some people binge Netflix, I binge Skillshare. So there you go, it's out, the truth is out. That's how I learned so many of my secrets. So if you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, again, go to Skillshare.com forward slash Lifestylist, and they're going to hook you up for 99 cents with two months access. That's Skillshare.com forward slash Lifestylist. And now it's time to show some love for our sponsor, Cured Nutrition. These guys are awesome, man. They make some of the most potent and delicious CBD-infused products made from pure Colorado-grown organic hemp. Now, a lot of CBD products on the market are full of chemicals and really nasty fertilizers and sprays and all sorts of things that you don't want to put into a health product. But I have personally vetted Cured and they are super legit and 100% organic. And it's also important to note that CBD products such as the ones sold by Cured are not psychoactive. So you don't have to worry about getting faded from having some of their fantastic cookie dough or some of the spices and different things that they have. So... CBD is now all the rage in the health scene, but a lot of people have a hard time taking it because it's only available in a concentrated oil, and that's not necessarily suiting everyone's taste buds. Now, what's cool about Cured is if you want to do the concentrated version, you can do the oils or the gel caps like before bed or before meditation or when you want to chill out. But what I really like about them is they infuse them into foods and spices. So I'll put some of their cinnamon and honey spices into a hot elixir drink or the peanut butter chocolate is really good or I just snack on their nut-based cookie dough anytime I'm sort of craving that kind of uh, snack during the day. 
They make CBD accessible and tasty. That's the number one thing. And you don't have to worry about any weird-ass chemicals. So if you want to check out Cured Nutrition, uh, I'm a big fan. And you can find them at curednutrition.com forward slash the lifestylist. And of course, if you use the code lifestylist, you'll save 10% off. Again, here is that URL, curednutrition.com forward slash the lifestylist. And the code is lifestylist for 10% off. Are you ready to get your head together? Well, our guest, Jim Quick, is going to help you do that. My name's Luke Story. I'm here to bring you another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. As we come to the end of 2018 in this month of December, the holiday spirit is in me. It's alive. I'm having fun getting ready to wrap up the second year of the Lifestylist Podcast. And I am really excited to bring you this episode. Jim Quick is the founder of Quick Learning and a widely recognized world expert in speed reading, memory improvement, brain performance, and accelerated learning. After childhood brain injury left Jim learning challenged, he created strategies to dramatically enhance his mental performance. He has since dedicated his life to helping others unleash their true genius and brain power to learn anything faster and to live a life of greater power, productivity, and purpose. I sat down with Jim in a an undisclosed location in New York City. I promised them if they let me record in this particular um, atrium at a, at a certain hotel that I wouldn't give them a shout out, which is odd because usually locations want you to give them free advertising. But, uh, you know, there's unions and things like that in control of the hotels. Uh, but you can also watch this video on YouTube and uh, perhaps you can guess which hotel it is. It was lovely. So Jim and I sat down and uh, something I've really struggled with in my life is memory. I mean, seriously, I think I, I, think I have it worse than some people. Um, I don't forget if I asked him about this, but when I was a kid and quite a young kid, and if you've listened to the show before, you've you know likely heard me talk about this, but it was part of the culture where I grew up. Well, not everyone's culture, but it was part of my culture in Northern California in the 70s and 80s to smoke copious amounts of cannabis. And uh, I think that's when it kind of started, you know, sitting in class, sneaking my Walkman headphones on, listening to Black Sabbath, just being stoned out of my mind and totally unable to focus or remember anything. Now, it's been many years since I've um, partaken in that particular plant with that purpose. However, I think that I might have done some damage and, uh, well, that's not to mention all the other things that I adjusted later on down the road, but that's another episode altogether. The point is something I really want to work on and something I'm passionate about is improving my memory and my focus. And when I sat down with Jim, honestly, my mind was freaking blown. So I'm excited to share this episode with you. Uh, I've been wanting to get Jim on the show for a long time. We've been emailing for a while and we run into each other at events all the time and stuff. So it's really cool to finally make this happen. So if you ever hear this, Jim Quick, thanks, dude. Great episode. Speaking of great episodes, here's what's going on next week. Wow. Another one from my, I guess you could call it my New York tour, is Kabbalah, Finding Freedom from Fear with Monica Berg. That's number 179. As we creep to the end of the year here, we are creeping up on 200 episodes. It's hard to believe that I've had almost 200 fantastic conversations with brilliant people like Jim Quick and Monica Berg. So make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on your podcast player so that each week, every single episode is 
automatically and magically downloaded to your device. I would also like to ask a huge favor, and that is if you enjoy this particular conversation that you're about to listen to, or any that you've listened to in the past, or any that you might listen to in the future, that you share this show with a couple of friends. It's really easy to do that now. You can just click on the app that you're, that you're working with there, and most of them will have a share option usually in the bottom right, and you can copy the link and text it to someone or email it or post it to Facebook or Instagram. I would greatly appreciate it. You could call it your Christmas present to your old pal Luke story. Share the show. I usually say with a friend. Let's say with five, since it's a holiday, I'm going to go and stretch five friends. There's your goal. All right. And then I've got one uh, event coming up on uh, December 14th, 15th, and 16th. That's the Neil Strauss uh, Society Intensive, all about biohacking. I'm going to be there. My, my former guest, uh, Matt Maruka, is going to be there. My buddy, Matt Blackburn, Jack Cruz, all sorts of amazing people. If you want to come to that event, please visit lukestory.com forward slash events. All right, here's what we talk about in this episode with the brilliant and entertaining Jim Quick. If knowledge is power, learning is a superpower, and Jim Quick can help you become a superhero. What it means to become superhuman, to learn twice as much in half the time. The fact that if you have issues focusing and remembering, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with you. It's not an IQ issue. It's not about your intelligence. Why our smartphones are making us stupid. How to release damaging self-stories tied to your school-age traumas. How to read 30 books in 30 days. Yes, even you that doesn't like to read. <laughs> that one is tough for me, man. I can listen to 30 books in 30 days, but wow. Uh, I have a lot to learn from our, from our guest here. How to audit your self-talk and stand guard at the doors of what enters your mind. Eliminating the extra noise to focus on the most important things. The fact that there's no such thing as a good or bad memory, just trained memory or untrained memory. The fact that one-third of our memory is determined by biology and genetics. The other two-thirds is up to us and is completely within our control. And finally, why knowledge is not power. It's only the potential for power. So here we go, folks. Uh, speaking of memory and focus, I want you to remember to share this episode with a friend. And I'd also love for you to join the Lifestylist Podcast private Facebook group. If you open Facebook and... Uh, use the search bar there and just search for the Lifestylist Podcast. You will find me and about 3,000 other uh, podcast fans in there talking about all things health and wellness and spirituality. And um, other than that, I think it's time for me to set you free and uh, have you take a deep dive into the recesses of your mind with our guest, Jim Quick. Jim Quick, welcome to the Lifestylist Podcast. Luke, I've been looking forward to this. Thank you for having me. Oh, me too. This is so cool that you were in New York City at the same Dude, time. I love, I love this setup here. You know, I got to say, uh, I had this plan hatched where I, I got a great hotel room. Uh, the hotel desires to remain anonymous for publicity uh, purposes, but we're in the Lower East Side. And I got a room with an amazing terrace. And I was like, October, it'll be perfect temperature. I'll set up all my cameras and all my stuff out on the terrace and then i got and it was like 50 degrees and freezing wind yeah. so yeah i set it up in my room but it was a little awkward to kind of hey come in you know it's a tiny ass hotel i'm like hey come in my bedroom and like record it was just weird so i, I found <laughs> this spot and no one seemed to yell at me so far so yeah it's great great natural lighting and relatively quiet so here we are so do you live sometimes in new york and la or are you just traveling like me i um 
I'm bi-coastal, so I'm in Los Angeles and New York City. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. I, I grew up uh, not too far from here in Westchester. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. All right, so let's get right into the, the thick of it here. Um, you know, I've heard your story before on a number of occasions. I've listened to you on a lot of podcasts. I've seen you doing public speaking gigs and things like that. And uh, I think I relate because, you know, things that happen in your childhood, things that were said regarding uh, your intelligence, your brain... Uh, things you heard in school left a really negative imprint on you. And then as an adult now, you've not only managed to overcome some of those erroneous beliefs about your ability to learn and your intelligence, IQ, etc. Mm. Uh, but now you're actually teaching people like me that there are no limits in terms of what we're capable of. So in the interest of time, let's get just a brief snapshot for the audience of what happened when you were a kid and the messages that you got around your ability to learn and remember and things like that. Sure, Luke. Um, the quick of it, uh, pun <laughs> kind of intended. Is, Dude, uh, you have a name. You can't not pun your name. I know. It, it fits with everything. All right? I, it's really my last name. I didn't change it to do what I do. You could say my life, my, my destiny was pretty much planned out. Um, I had to be a runner in school, which is a lot of pressure when your name is quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, and I get to do my dharma, which is teaching people how to uh, how to learn faster and not frantic fast, but with a calm and a peace. And that's really my my passion, my mission. Um, as you mentioned, when people see me on stage live, I'll do these demonstrations. Well, I'll have like a hundred people stand up and I'll memorize their names in real time or a hundred numbers or a hundred random words. But I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I do this to express to you what's really possible. Because the truth is, every single person who's here with us could do that and so much more. We just weren't taught. If anything, I feel like we were taught a lie. The lie that somehow our intelligence, our memory, our potential is somehow fixed, like our shoe size. And, you know, we've just, you know this, we've discovered more about the human brain more in the past 10 years, 20 years than the previous thousand years combined. And we found is we're grossly underestimating our own capabilities, that we could do things, remarkable things, we just weren't taught how to do that. Because school really focused on teaching us what to learn, subjects like math, history, science, Spanish. But how many classes, Luke, were there on how to learn? You know, <laughs> Absolutely zero. Exactly. Like how to think, how to solve problems, how to be your best self, how to how to get healthy and, you know, connect and develop in, you know, intrapersonal intelligence and transformation. And, and so um, my, my quick story is that I, I was labeled the boy with the broken brain at the age of nine. Um, and because at the age of five, I had a head trauma, brain injury. Um, I had a very bad fall. I had these learning difficulties and I was put in special classes. Um, how that manifested was I had poor focus, which I think a lot of people nowadays could relate to. I had a very bad memory. It took me an extra few years to learn how to read, which is very frustrating as you're a child because everyone else could do something and you feel like there's something wrong with you. I remember, you remember back in school, they would pass around that book, you would get in circles and then everyone had to read out loud. Uh, worst nightmare ever. Yeah. I actually think that's where a lot of pub, the fear of public speaking, which I know a lot of people can relate to, public speaking, being scared of that is, I think it, a lot of it was imprinted when we were like, that book was coming around because nobody was a great reader back then. And then all eyes are on you. And I think that's where that nervousness and that anxiety came from for a lot of people. But for me, I couldn't read at all. So when that book kept on coming closer and closer and closer, being passed down, uh, um, when I would receive it, 
I would just look at it and just want to cry. I just pass it down and I couldn't read. But at the age of, um, I struggled all through school. My two biggest challenges were learning and public speaking uh, because when you feel like you're the boy with the broken brain, you don't connect with people. You don't relate to people. You don't express yourself fully. And I, which is ironic, right? My two biggest challenges were learning and public speaking, but the universe has a sense of humor because that's really what I do all the time. Um, at the age of 18, I hit a wall where um, I was a freshman in college. I wanted to make a fresh start and show my friends and my family, myself, that I was really okay and good enough. And I kept on studying and studying and studying. And I lived in the library and I ended up passing out in the library. I fell down a flight of stairs. I hit my head again. Dude. Yeah. And I, and I just, I woke up in the hospital two days later. And at this point, I was down to, because I wasn't eating or doing anything healthy for myself, I was down to 117 pounds. I was just wasting away. And I woke up in the hospital bed. I thought I died. And maybe part of me did or wanted to. It's just very dark despair time. I said, there has to be a better way. And at that time, the nurse at that moment came in with a mug of tea. You'd love this. And on the, on the mug had a picture of Albert Einstein, pretty great thinker. But even deeper was this quote from him that you've heard, that everyone has heard. It said something like, the same level of thinking that's created your problem won't solve your problem. And it made me think a new question. And I really do be, believe that if we want to change our life, part of it is changing the questions we ask of ourselves and of, of others. And I asked a new question thinking, what's my biggest challenge? And it's like, I'm, I'm a very slow learner. And I was like, well, how do I think differently about it? And I was like, well, maybe I can learn how to learn. And that put me on a quest for really understanding how my brain worked. Because I wanted to understand, solve this riddle about how does my brain work so I can work my brain? How does my memory work so I can work my memory? And I started studying adult learning theory, some brain science, speed reading, old 2,000-year-old mnemonic um, devices back in ancient Greece, like everything I get my hands on to give me an advantage. And about 60 days into it, Luke, a light switch just flipped on. And for the first time in my whole life, I started to understand things. I started to have better focus. I started to remember things. I started to read faster, think clearer. And as my grades improved, I couldn't help but just... I was actually really upset, if I'm honest, thinking like, why... I was angry. It's like, why wasn't I taught this back in school? And so I started to share it with friends and I started to tutor. And one of my very first students I was tutoring, she was a freshman. I remember it's like it's yesterday. She read 30 books in 30 days. Wow. Could you imagine going online and picking up six, you know, 30 books and reading it in a month? I, I would like to. <laughs> <laughs> and she, I um, can't imagine it, but yeah, it's a I, stretch. Um, I wanted to find out not how she did it. I know how because I taught her, but I want to know why. I'm extremely interested in human motivation like you are. Like what, why do some people do things that they know they should do and why and other people don't, right? And I found out by asking, going back to the power of questions, asking a question, and I found out that her mother, her motivation was her mother was dying of terminal cancer and was given two months to live, just 60 days to live. And the books she was reading were books to save her mom's life. Books, um, you know, right up our listeners' alley, you know, like, you know, books on health and wellness and energy, alternative medicine. And I wished her luck. I, and I said prayers. Six months later, I don't hear from her. But six months later, I get a call from this young lady and she's crying and she's crying and crying. I can't get a word out of her. 
But when she finally stops, I find out their tears of joy that her mother not only survived, but is really getting better. Doctors don't know how, they don't know why. They actually called it a miracle. Um, but her mother attributed 100% to the great advice she got from her daughter that learned it from all these books. And at that moment, I realized that if knowledge is power, we've all heard that, then learning is your superpower. That if knowledge is power, learning is your superpower. And it's a superpower we all have inside of us. And you know, my mission in life is really showing people how to unlock that power. And my mission is because I was the boy with the broken brain, I don't want people to suffer and struggle and not feel like they're enough. It's just because if you're overloaded right now, if you're listening to this, if you feel distracted more than ever, if you have memory loss, if you can't focus, concentrate, it's not completely your fault. It's just we weren't taught how to do those things. And my whole life is about taking nouns and turning them into verbs. Like a lot of people say, they, they don't have, you know, I don't have creativity. I don't have focus. I don't have a good memory. I don't have motivation. I don't have memory. Those aren't things you have. Those are things you do. And by saying those are things you see, so you don't have a memory. You do a memory. You don't have focus. You do focus. You don't have creativity. There's a process for creativity. And so I believe genius leaves clues. So my life over the past 25 plus years of teaching this full time is I just want to uncover those patterns of genius. Um, there's always a method behind the magic. When somebody can learn a language faster, when somebody can learn a musical instrument or a dance step or um, do the things that I do, like remembering names and such, or read, you know, I read a book a day. You know, you there's still do? always, I still do. Oh, like, that's I'm, so I'm, awesome. I'm a solid five books a week because I believe leaders are readers because I think our most valuable asset we have besides our brains is our, our, our time because our time is the one thing we can't get back. We can always make more money, but we can't get back our time. And if somebody has decades of experience like you do, and somebody puts it you know, in a book, and you could sit down in a day or two or a few days and read that book, you could download decades into days. And, um, and that's what I'm really excited about is showing people their real potential you know, and make it extremely fun and, and practical. So as I understand the story, uh, when it comes to that term, having a broken brain, did you not hear an adult refer to you while you were in the room? Like, oh, here, yeah, yeah, he has a broken brain. And, and, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's sad because it, I don't think it was at, done from a, uh, a bad place. It's, she was a teacher was pointing, talking to another adult, talking about me thinking I wasn't paying attention or maybe didn't hear saying that's the boy with the broken brain. And, you know, for the parents listening to this, um, or anybody who has a child or was once a child, you have to be, adults have to be very careful with their, their external talk because your external words become a child's internal words. So that became my internal talk where when I didn't do well on a book report or a test or exam or a quiz or not pick for the soccer team or whatever, which was all the time, I would always say, oh, it's because I have the broken brain. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And that became my self-talk. And I think... I do. Um, you know, we're talking about principles of accelerated learning. We talked about questions being the answer. We talked about human motivation, understanding what drives you. But the other thing is really understanding our, our own self-talk because I remember I was running a marathon and I was reading one chapter of the psychology of running a marathon and it said this verbatim, word for word, because I'm a memory expert. <laughs> it said, your brain is like a supercomputer and your self-talk is a program it will run. So if you tell yourself you're not good at remembering names, you will not remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to. 
All right. This this opens up a line of questioning. I asked about that that belief or that you know express talk that became your your uh, self talk getting stuck because in my own life subjectively, um, yeah, I have a really uh, thorough drug history, and I started using when I was a little kid, like you know, knee high, <laughs> a little bit above knee high. And so, and when I was a kid, they told you, oh, if you smoke marijuana, you know, it kills your memory and it gives you brain damage and all this kind of stuff. And so even though I continue to do that, I always had this idea as I was doing these things and then off into my twenties and thankfully finally stopped at 26 permanently, hopefully permanently. Um, but when I popped out of that at 26, I really had this strong belief that I had brain damage and that I mm. ruined my brain and that I damaged it beyond repair. And I've caught myself a lot saying words like, oh, I have a horrible memory. Oh, I can never remember names. Oh, I'm always late. And I catch myself, you know, and it's part of, I don't know, it's, inter- it's interesting because it's like when you get to know someone, you share things about yourself. And mm. sometimes those things you share might actually be false beliefs that you're reinforcing. Mm. You know, so it's like I, I struggle sometimes with acknowledging the fact that I have trouble remembering. Right. Because it's just the truth. Up until this point in my life, I managed to get by fine, but I forget a lot of stuff. And so I want to tell people that so they understand and kind yeah. of get used to the way I am. But I feel every time I say, say it, it. I, I'm actually reinforcing it. So are you saying that it would best serve us to? Even though there there might be on some level existing limitations in mm-hmm. in, in our capacity to, sure. to function, that even though those are acknowledged and might actually be present, that it would serve us to not verbalize those, whether internally yeah. in our own self talk or expressing that to others by saying, "Oh, I'm horrible at math. Right. Uh, I'm a night a night person. This right. is something I've had to stop myself from saying because I don't want to be a night person. I would really love to wake up at like six a.m. every day <laughs> and go to bed at ten. You know, now I have not been able to do that because I think inherently I do lean a bit toward that way. But every time I find myself saying, well, mm-hmm. I'm a night person, I'm not good at math, oh, I have a horrible memory because I fried my brain with drugs. When I say it, I'm kind of thinking, Luke, you're manifesting that more. Stop saying that. What do you think about all that? Yeah, well, that's a lot. Let's unpack I know. that it's a little bit. It's not even a question. It's a, <laughs> it's a diatribe on my entire life. No, 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 no. Well, a few things. Um, well, first of all, some people are night owls and early birds. Um on my podcast, we had, uh, you might know Dr. Michael Bruce, who wrote a book called The Power of When. Which yeah. talks about your, yeah. power, your, your yeah. chronotype. And there are definitely biological tendencies based around your hormones and when you should do certain things, like sleep and make love and check your email and, and work out and eat and such like that. Um, but in terms of your self-talk, I have a lot of people come to me on a regular basis daily saying, I have a horrible memory. I'm so forgetful. And so I would audit that and to the extent where I believe that if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. That if you argue for your limits, they're yours. And a lot of us, we do it for maybe um, out of habit because it's unconscious or there's some kind of secondary gain to it. Like when somebody says they're so busy, you know, secondary gain might be getting some kind of sympathy uh, or secondary gain might be them feeling important because I'm so busy um, must be important, and you know, and but the problem is when I when people wear this badge of honor saying they're busy, um, because you know, a lot of people say that often, then you start getting this um, this reward for it, and you start design you want you start designing your life to be busy all the time, and you wonder why you're stressed and overloaded, and um, so I think your words have power. I would also say that you're 
you're, if people understood how powerful their mind really was, like right now, when we're having this conversation, anyone listening, they have literally hundreds of millions of neurons, brain cells firing off and wiring. And if you understood how power, people understood how powerful their minds really was, they wouldn't say or think anything they didn't want to be true. And that sounds really, and now understood that you can't have, you know, having one negative thought is not going to ruin your life any more than having a donut is going to ruin your life. But it's the consistent, you know, energy that you put into that. And so I would say is audit your, your, your self-talk um, because, and stand guard to the doors of your, what goes into your mind because it all plays a, a part. Um, that your mind, I would say this, your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. And there are little things you could do. I just had on my show, uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, who you know is- the, Oh, yeah. yeah. He's written- you know, ten, guy. Ten, Yeah, 10 New York Times bestselling books, including Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. And he calls it killing ants. Kill, kill those ants. Ants stands for automatic negative thoughts. And, um, and something simple you could do, I mean, there's so many different ways of changing negative self-talk and beliefs. Anything from EFT, you know, like tapping to, you know, different meridian points to even adding a simple word like yet. I don't have a great memory yet, right? You there know, you I'm go. Not, I'm That's not, great. Because it, it changes the feeling because words have, have, have strength to it. Even like I did an episode on the power of gratitude, how it rewires your brain. And it's so interesting because what you appreciate, appreciates. The things you appreciate in life, you get, you get more of right? Because it becomes self-reinforcing. But even when people say, oh, I, I, I got to pick up the kids. I got to work out. I got to journal and meditate today. Even switching a word like got to get, you know, I get to pick up the kids. I get to work out. I get to journal today. It, there's a totally different feeling around it. And a big part of learning is your state and how you feel. Because I believe the key to a long-term memory is information is forgettable. There's too much information, right? Think about all we learned in school and the periodic table. And we don't remember any of that because it's purely information. But information combined with emotion becomes a powerful long-term memory. And everyone could probably see this to be true because is there a song you could hear that could take you back to when you're a teenager? Because information combined with emotion really stores that memory, right? Or is a food or fragrance you could smell it. It could take you back to when you were a child, right? So information. So part of what I do with helping people learn faster is to be able to amp it up because all learning is state dependent. All learning is, is state dependent. In fact, like most people don't, what was the primary state people feel felt back in school? Like what was the primary emotion? Bored, boredom. frustrated. Exactly. Like half the room is bored. <laughs> the other half is frustrated. But boredom on a scale of zero to 10 is zero. So information times emotion is a long-term memory. Information, anything times zero, if boredom is zero, is zero, right? And you wonder why you don't remember things. And I feel like, you know, one of the reasons people, uh, they, they are drawn to your work in the community is there, there's, there's high levels of emotion. You know, like when you, we, we've spoken at various events together and, and panels and such, you know, when, you, when people up the level of emotion, it increases their level of engagement and the level of retention. Because that's my big thing. A lot of people will go to listen to a podcast or they'll read a book, but within two days, this is the stats, within 48 hours, 80% of it is lost, which is so insane, right? Within two days, you can lose 80% of what you learned. And that's why I think memory is important. 
because Socrates says, learning said, learning is remembering. And people are like, well, Jim, why do I have to remember things? Because I have a things, everything on my phone. Well, that's the, the big struggle there is something called digital dementia. You know, you're going to hear this term in healthcare wildly. Basically, we've grown so dependent on our smartphones that our smartphones are making us stupid. Meaning that our smartphones keep our to-dos. It does simple math. It keeps all the phone. How many phone numbers did you know growing up as a Oh, you knew everybody's phone. Everybody. Now, how many? <laughs> and you know, it's funny. I, I, I actually remember my mom's phone number. Actually, my dad's too. My mom and dad's phone number. But my mom's number's been the same since 1980 or something. You wow. know. But yeah, when I was a kid, of course, you know. In you know. This, but how many yeah. do you know, like right now? <laughs> Probably three. <laughs> right. Three or maybe four. It's funny because I just uh, signed up for a, a yoga pass, and I had to put an emergency contact and. I lazily didn't want to get up and grab my phone to get someone's number. And I was like, it doesn't matter who the person I put is. I just thought, whose number can I remember? (laughs) And I think I remember one of my brother's numbers. So maybe that's like three, mom, dad, and one brother, maybe. Okay. so But it it serves to support your point. And And my point to further to drive it in is people could say, well, why do I need to remember all these phone numbers? Because I have a phone. I completely get it. And I don't want to memorize 500 phone numbers. But we've lost the ability to remember one or a conversation we have with somebody or a PIN number or a passcode. And I believe two of the most costly words in life or even your business are, I forgot. You know, like think about like when you forget things, like how it makes you feel, you know, how frustrating it is. You know, like I forgot where I put it. I forgot that conversation. I forgot what I just read. I forgot to go to that meeting. I forgot what I needed to say. I forgot where I, that person's name. I mean, that, that's probably a big one for a lot of people. We're going to talk about that. You meet somebody, you get their name, <laughs> yeah. and then the name just disappears. So I believe two of the most customers are, I forgot. Because memory lapses, they cost us time and opportunity right. and credibility. And like, just think about it. If you forgot half of everything you knew, how productive would you be? If you forgot half the words, half of your expertise, half of the people, you, I mean, you wouldn't be able to perform the way you perform. But if you could learn twice as much in half the time, how much more effective would you be? And how much like, it's interesting what you're saying about how um, an emotion and a thought drive it home. And I'm thinking about, you know, Tony Robbins events and people like that that really understand, you know, ultra NLP kind of stuff, right? Uh-huh. Where they're, you know, imbuing music and excitement and emotion and then trying to create an experience and a state change so that you can actually retain the information and integrate said principles into your life. How much do you think? emotion plays into our ability to remember something versus just being extremely present and in the moment case in point being Mm. i don't have an emotion around where i left my phone or my keys right but i only lose them when i lose presence when i'm not in the now and whenever i do forget where something is or to call someone or one of those things and i have to say those horrid words oh i forgot I forgot where I did this, who did this, when I was supposed to do that. Uh, it's an indication to me that I've I've lost my uh, my Zen formation of the mm-hmm. mind. It means that I I just wasn't present. So if, right. if I get up here and I leave my phone and I go to the bathroom, it's just I was not here. And it's sort of like in a gentle way, I kind of smack yeah. myself and be like, "Hey, you left. You've been meditating for twenty plus years. Yeah. The reason you do it is so you can be here. You know. So, yeah. but there's sometimes no emotion attached to it. It's just. If I'm in my body, I find that memory is better. Do you yeah. do you know how those kind of relate in terms of presence and I do and emotion or lack I d- thereof? I, d- I do. There's um, I do believe the art of memory is the art of attention. 
Yard of Presence. The formula that I subscribe to is, is I call it mom. Always remember mom, M-O-M. So if you, I feel like if somebody forgets something, usually one of these three things is missing. And I use the, the acronym mom. So let's take, um, let's take remembering names because I think that's a that's, lot of... That, I wanted to get into that. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's a perfect segue. Yeah. Um, most people, 95% of the people you ask say, I have trouble remembering names, right? But if there was a suitcase of a million dollars cash for you or your favorite charity, for the person listening, if they just remember the name of the next stranger they meet, who's going to remember that person's name for a million dollars? Everybody, right? And now why is everyone who's listening to this right now, all of a sudden they're memory experts? It's because if I could be your brain coach, a coach challenges you and calls you on your BS because as a coach, I would say it had nothing to do with your capability. It had everything to do whether or not you wanted to remember the name. So that's where emotion comes in. Because people say, I have trouble remembering names, but you incentivize them. The M stands for motivation, right? Mm -hmm. The first M. You incentivize them with something they want and all of a sudden they remember names. Because here's the proof. I believe the expert is not always the one that's on the podcast or on the stage or writes the book. I feel like we are our own experts, like self-coaching. And I feel genius leaves clues. And so everybody listening to this, nobody remembers everyone's names, but nobody forgets everyone's names either. There's some people you tend to remember their name. And I would say genius leaves clues. There's always a method behind what looks like magic. And I would say that some people who remember people's names, they, there's a motivation. That person they're attracted to. That person, they could be good for their business or something. And so when you up the level of emotion, going back to emotion, that plays a big part. Now, the O in mom stands for observation. So that is presence. That is listening. That is being there with somebody. And when it comes to remembering names, I feel like a lot of people blame their retention and it's not their retention, it's their level of attention. Often when people go to a wedding or they go to a networking, uh, yoga, whatever, and they're meeting somebody, a lot of people, they are not present. Like you said, they're looking over their shoulder saying, oh, who else is in this room? Who's more important? Especially, you know, like in different, in different circles. Or if they're not being distracted externally, they're distracting themselves internally. Like they're not listening. They're thinking about how they're going to respond or they're waiting for their turn to talk, right? And that's why I could appreciate our conversation because, you know, even though you have a set, you know, questions and such, like we're having a dialogue here because... Some people like just want to get to the next question, right? And they'll they'll skip something. Like I notice I'll listen to podcasts and that person will open up something. Oh, that's really interesting. And then they'll just go like, so you have a new book. I mean, you know, like, like, whoa, that was that was something juicy there. Because <laughs> yeah. they they've lost presence. And and we all, you know, it happens to the best of us, right? Nobody is a hundred percent present all the time. Um, but some people shift their their focus to the past, right? And I believe if you if you live in the if you live in the past, then you're dying in the present right? Because part of us is not really here. And some people are, you know, to get out of pain, they're thinking about how good it used to be, right? Or they're projecting in the future, but they're not really here where they could actually do something about it. But going back to the memory, the M stands for motivation, which is just really showing you care, right? Because people remembering names, like how are you going to show somebody you're going to care for their business, their health, their, their future, whatever it is you have to offer them if you don't care enough just to remember their name, so it's just caring about somebody. And then the O is observation, which is really just being present. So I think the art of memory is really the art of caring and the art of being present with somebody. So I think it's just the art of being a good human. 
being, you know, and, and training that. But the last M in mom stands for the mechanics. And those are the things that I teach in my podcast and my online That's programs. the part I'm missing, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> but so I, I'm, I'm like, caring, got it. Every yeah. single person I meet, I, I mean, I don't care if it's the waiter that comes up to us. I mean, I genuinely, and I'm not trying to sound like yeah. Mr. Nice Guy, but I really do care about everyone. And, um, and, and your uh, life is a reflection of that. Right. And yeah, your community, because yeah. people, people feel that because in a world that it's very transactional and everything, I think people are, they're hungry for people's presence and they're, they're caring. And even my, so the, the, I'm just going to interrupt really quick. So the caring part and the, the observation, the presence, I feel pretty strong in, but I must be missing the mechanics yeah. because when it comes to somebody's name, I mean, I would have to really, really, really care to make myself stop and go, okay, the guy you just met, it's Jim, mm -hmm. Luke, it's Jim, it's Jim, it's Jim. You right. know what I mean? Like it would have to be a really important business contact or someone I want to date or someone's right. family, you know, like it would have to have a certain stigma in my mind. Right. Otherwise I'm, I'm literally going to forget 90% of everybody's name. And it's not yeah. that I don't care. And it's not that I'm don't, I'm not present. There's some mechanics part that there, I'm there missing. Are. It's two things. Number one, you, like me, and a lot of people who are listening, you meet a lot of people. So part of it is just overload, right? True. So it's just, there's a lot of noise, so you can't possibly, you know, just like, I don't want to install limits in people that don't, you know, have them, but eventually you can't bench press a car, right? There's some kind of upward limit for everybody. And so I would say part of it is noise because you don't need necessarily to remember all the people that you, you meet. But the other part of it is we're not taught. Right. And so it's a skill. And what I would say is for everybody who's listening, there's no such thing as a good or bad memory. There's a trained memory and an untrained memory. Ooh, that's nice. And, and people could own that because it takes away the shame or the guilt or I'm not good enough or the regret or something wrong with me. I'm not enough because there's no such thing. In fact, one third of your memory is predetermined by genetics and biology. That's what science is saying. One third. Two thirds is completely in our control. And that's our lifestyle. It's food we eat. It's our self-talk. It's our exercise, right? Which is good for the brain. It's our nutritional supplementation. It's our positive peer group. It's our clean environment. It's our sleep, right? It's our brain protection. You know, not, not getting head traumas like I've had. It's constantly learning, which builds your brain power. It's stress management because chronic stress will shrink your brain and, you know, put you in fight or flight, which is good for physical, but not good for like, we need to study for a test or give a presentation at TED or whatever, right? And so... There are all these other factors that we can control. And so having the motivation there, the caring, because um, like Maya Angelou said, you know, people won't remember what you said. They won't remember what you did. They'll always remember how you made them feel. Going back to feeling, right? So motivation, caring, and then observation, paying attention. But then the mechanics could really help. You know, I train people like comedians, how to remember jokes. I've trained so many of the TED speakers on the main stage how to remember their 18-minute talks or actors memorizing scripts or financial individuals be able to remember you know, things in their portfolio because I feel like that's a real force multiplier. Like I think if there's one skill for everybody on this, you know, listening to this to master in the 21st century, it's your ability to learn faster because then you could apply that towards anything. Mandarin, martial arts, music, marketing, it doesn't matter because you get, you get good at that and it makes everything else easier because you're, you're one of my favorite books i'm sure you've read it is seven habits of highly effective people by, <laughs> yeah. by stephen covey and the yeah. seventh habit is sharpen the saw meaning that yeah. if you have all this wood to cut 
and metaphorically, we have a lot of, everyone has their to-do list, a lot of things they need to do. But if you have a dull blade, like you don't want to sweat and, and suffer and struggle cutting wood with a dull blade. You want to sharpen it and then you can cut it easier. And for me, the ultimate like saw to cut, you know, to sharpen is, this, is to sharpen our mind because then everything gets easier. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you've probably figured out that I'm a pretty hardcore researcher when it comes to finding healthy products, right? Well, one of the things I've been searching for for a while is the number one best organic bedding that you can find. There's a lot of cheap, crappy stuff out there. And so I was really excited when I found this company, Altera Pure. And I got them on the phone when I thought about running their ads. And I do this with everyone, by the way, that I run ads for. I got them on the phone and I really grilled them about their whole process, the company philosophy, where the cotton comes from, where it's made, how it's made, who's making it, the freaking water that goes in the soil. You guys know I'm hardcore. And Altera Pure passed my test, my scrutinizing test with flying colors. These guys make not only really well-made and safe bedding, but it is actually really soft and comfortable. I don't know. They cracked the code on making soft organic sheets, which are actually quite rare. A lot of the organic stuff is like freaking sandpaper. So these are just beautifully constructed sheets that are really good for you. They're organic, no pesticides. They're non-GMO. They're very environmentally and socially sustainable. And they also are just um, very transparent. You can find out anything you want to know. You can call them. I don't know if you'll talk to the CEO, but you'll talk to someone They'll answer any question you have and they will prove to you beyond the shadow of a doubt that they are in fact making the healthiest bedding in the world. So if you want to check it out, go over to alterapure.com. That's alterapure.com. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 15%. Pretty cool, right? I always try to get you guys a discount. It works out well for everyone. I win, the company wins, and you win. So go to, once again, alterapure.com. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST and you will save yourself 15% off your order. And now back to the interview. When you meet someone, say, you know, you're at a, a small event and it's low key, there's maybe 10 people there or something like that. So it's, right. it's manageable. What do you literally do when you meet yeah. someone to remember their name? Oh, completely. So let's go back to the mom. Because so this is one of, of the most, yeah. sorry to interrupt again, but th- this is one of the most embarrassing lapses in memory. It's like, if I forget to email someone back, you know, you can kind of, you can make up for it. You can make amends. You can let them know or something, you know, you forget your keys, but right. when you meet someone and, and they're right in front yeah, of you, they're right in front of and you. And then like, five minutes later, you have to be the guy that's like, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry, what's your name again? And if it's not a short-term issue, it's like a long-term issue. It's like, you're at the, you're at air one and somebody taps you on your shoulder and you see somebody you recognize. But for the life of you, you don't rec- you don't remember that person's name, right? <laughs> or where they're where I met them, right? Either, or, which is and what makes it worse is when that person has the audacity to remember your name. <laughs> well, right? here here's the funny part of that, and and please hold the part mm-hmm. A of the question. But there's another weird thing here, and I'm sure you experience this a lot because you're a pretty famous guy, and you know speak at these huge events and all this kind of stuff. You've been doing this for a long time. But have you noticed that um, as someone who's an influencer and a personality and a celebrity kind of in your own right, that there's this phenomenon where everyone knows you because you're Jim Quick. And so they know you, but you don't know them because there's a thousand of them, but there's only one of you. So to them, they feel very closely related to you. But to you, there's like, they're all them. (laughs) It could be that. I think a lot of... You you know what I'm saying? It's like, I went to... I had an event last week and there's a bunch of people there that I'd met before and some people listen to the podcast and stuff and they're like, Luke, hey, hey. And I kind of would remember the face, but 
they remember me more because they listen to the podcast or watch YouTube videos or something, you know? So to them, they were just like a blip in my life, whereas I might have a more significant role in their life as someone that they listen to or watch and things. Yeah. You get what I'm saying with that? I I do, I do. I mean, there's, um, I think remembering names is important and nobody is perfect at it. Um, I'm I'm not, but it's it's a trained skill. And no matter how popular somebody is or how many people know them it's i feel like that we could do our best that we can to be able to remember other people's names so going back to mom motivation to turn that into a practical brain hack if you will um i would ask yourself when you're meeting somebody brand new ask yourself a simple question because we talked about in the beginning the power of questions ask yourself why do i want to remember this person's name it's very very simple and it's common sense, but it's not common practice. So maybe, and come up with an answer too, like fight for it. Like maybe I want to do some business. Maybe um, I want to show this person respect. Maybe I want to make a new friend. Maybe I want to practice these things I learned from Jim, right? Because what I practice in private, I'm rewarded for in public, right? Maybe I'm using this opportunity to level up, right? Because if you can't come up with one reason, you won't remember. And I always tell people reasons reap results, reasons, reap results, right? Start with why. So ask yourself, why do I want to remember this? Just like if you're studying anything, you say, why do I want to study this? Because if you don't have a reason, it's not going to work. The O in mom, observation, a tactical thing you could do is just to listen. Like I remember the second time I had the opportunity to meet President Bill Clinton. The first time was very, very brief. And the second time though, we were at a charity event sitting next to each other at the same table and he remembered my name. And I was blown away. But then I was like, okay, he, he knew who was sitting you know, at the table. Like his, his, his assistant told him. But then he remembered our last conversation. And that was over a year before. And I was like, there's no way somebody fed him that information. So I was like, you know, I'm the memory guy. Like, how do you do this? What technique are you using? He was like, Jim, growing up in Arkansas, my grandfather would get every, all the kids in the living room together and tell stories. But what was different is at the end, we would all be ready because he would quiz us to see if we were each paying attention. And, um, and I noticed when he was telling me this story, he was really like you, like very present. You know, often like I was at a, I posted a picture on Instagram. It was me, President Clinton, Ashton Kutcher, Ashton's twin brother, which I didn't know he had a twin brother, um, Forrest Whitaker and Richard Branson. So there were a lot more important people at that table. Damn. Like you look at that picture and you're like, who photoshopped that Asian dude on that table? <laughs> <laughs> but you, you looked at it and then like, you're like, there are a lot more important people, but it's like when he's talking to me, he's like talking to me and there's no one else that's there. And I feel like we could all, here's the thing. Everyone, regardless of everyone's political ideology, would agree that President Clinton has high level charisma, connector, you know, great communicator, but he's got incredible memory and great presence. And I think his incredible memory and his incredible presence comes from being powerfully present. That his incredible memory and his powerful presence comes from being powerfully present with other people. And I feel like, just like you were saying, I feel like it's something we could all do. We just have to decide to do it. And then it's a muscle. Because a lot of people are building their muscles of distraction with different things, especially these you know, smart devices. Oh my God. <laughs> because you know, I have a video, it's been seen by um, 35 million views just the past couple months. A YouTube it's video? All, it's on Facebook. Oh, okay. And it's just talking about the challenges of, of this phone because the first thing people do when they wake up, when they're most in this relaxed state of awareness, right? To be creative and to plan their vision of their day as they touch their phone, which rewires your brain for two things. It rewires your brain to be distracted. Every like, share, comment, you know, cat video is giving you a dopamine flood. 
that just, you know, along the motivation learning centers of our nervous system that makes things addictive. Um, but it's also not only training us to be um, distracted, it's training us to be reactive. Meaning that if the first thing you do in this meditative, relaxed state is check your voicemail and your texts and emails, like then you're just, re- you're in defense automatically. Like how are you going to plan an incredible day, much less a life, when you're just responsible? reacting to everything that's going on in the world, right? Um, my friend Brendan Burchard, who I had on the show, he, um, he has this saying that says, uh, your inbox is nothing but a convenient organizational system for other people's agenda for your life. Oh my God, so true. You know true. what I mean? And then, so true. Like, and I'm not saying don't check email, but I'm just saying, what if you put three, what if you listed three things that would make today a win and then you didn't check your messages until you did like one of those things? So you build some momentum towards something that, that's important to you. But going back to remembering names, going back to mom, motivation, find your motivation in remembering names. Like, why do I want to remember it? And then the O is observation, just being present. Silence. Like, even if you look the word listen and scramble the letters, it spells another word perfectly. It spells the word silent. No Yeah, way. literally, if you Whoa. write the word listen down, Whoa. type it out, and then scramble the letters, it spells the word silent perfectly. And we could all just be silent. Another um, habit of highly um, effective people, according to Stephen Covey, is not only the seventh habit, sharpen the saw. Another one is seek first to understand, then to be understood. Seek first to understand somebody, then to be understood. And that really is just listening to somebody. You know, like a lot of people want to be interesting and they talk about their skydiving and what they do with sharks or whatever it is. And I don't really think that bonds people as much as being interested as opposed to, you know, most people want to be interesting. And I think people really, especially if you're in a business or entrepreneur or you're in sales, nothing sells like sincere interest in somebody. So I would always remember that as a foundation. Now, when people see me memorize a room full of people's names, not only do I have motivation like you do, you know, and presence with them, which is really half the battle, then there are tactical mechanics. The M, the final M and mom, which are the mechanics that I do. So for example... I'll do something I call be suave. Be suave. Like, so next time you're at a networking event or a conference, you know, at a yoga or you know, a wedding, when you're checking in the mirror your tie, your makeup, your outfit, whatever, say to yourself, I'm going to be suave. So acronym, be suave. The B is believe. Okay, so get rid of the negative self-talk because, again, if you say you're not going to remember names, doesn't matter what happens after that, it's going to be self-fulfilling, right? So just, I'm not good at names yet, right? Just be conscious of it because the first step for transformation is just awareness, right? Self-awareness. Um, the E, and there's a lot of things you could do to change that. Self-hypnosis, EFT, like a lot of different trainings, right? The E in B suave stands for exercise. And what I mean by that is not physical exercise, although people who are more physically active will do better on mental acuity, they'll have better focus, they'll have better memory. The prime principle is what's good for your heart is going to be good for your head. So what's good for your heart is exercise, good blood flow, oxygen to your brain and such. So so practice. But I mean, that's what I mean by exercise, not just physical exercise, but practice. Because practice makes progress. Right? <laughs> you almost got me. Yeah, I just feel like practice, people always say practice makes perfect. Yeah. And I, you know, in our yeah. world, there's never, you never want to necessarily, there's a downside necessarily in calling yourself a master or perfect at something because then we just don't grow, right? There's yeah. always another level. And I believe practice makes Progress, practice makes permanent, right? And so I, what I mean is that remembering names is a skill. And all, like all skill, it could be improved through practice and training. 
So the bad news is it takes effort. The good news, it doesn't take as much as you think. Because once you could learn how to write your name or once you know how to drive a car, once you learn how to type, you know how to type, right? And so the same thing applies towards remembering names. Once you practice it a certain amount of time, it becomes more second nature. Now the suave, that's believe, exercise. The suave is, the S is you say the name. So you meet someone for the first time, uh, Valerie, it's nice to meet you. And you literally repeat the Damn, name. Damn, boom, nailed it. <laughs> you literally <laughs> say the name. There's a Valerie here present helping us on the on the show, you guys, who has a new podcast coming out soon. What's your podcast called? A la mode. Okay, look I for love it. That. Look for I it. Love that great so job much. on remembering Valerie's name. So, so the man s- knows his stuff. You repeat the name. You say the name because, num- because going back to observation, it means you observed it, right? Especially if you don't want to go to a noisy environment, you're at an event, a summit or whatever. And you meet Ted and you say goodbye, Ed. Right? You want to get you want to get corrected if you're gonna get corrected in the beginning, because you might make sure you heard it right. So you say the name. The you is you use the name in the conversation. Now you use it, you don't abuse it. Valerie, it's really nice to meet you. Valerie, what are you supposed to talk about? Valerie, um wow, look at this amazing equipment. That would be an abuse, right? But you want to use it one, two, three times in the conversation intelligently. Um, but it could be annoying if you use it too much, just like in was it a Seinfeld episode? They had a close talker. Like it was oh, like yeah. that person that was like, yeah, like, yeah, talked, yeah. like, like, you know, like a couple inches from your face. I know, Actually, I know the type. There was a Seinfeld episode about remembering names because Seinfeld's all about nothing and about everyday things. Jerry was dating somebody, was intimate with her, didn't know her name. And every time she would go to the bathroom, he would try to like sneak in her purse and find her driver's license. Every time Kramer or George came over, they would, tra- they would introduce themselves, try to get the name out. And, <laughs> It rhymed with a part of the female anatomy. It, that was the episode. Um, okay. So okay. If people could refer back to that. Now I'm racking my brain for all of those. <laughs> anyway, parts. Um, so the um, going back to uh, the saying it, you use you say it, and then you use it in the conversation. The A in be suave stands for ask. And remember, I opened with questions are the answer. I would say, what's everyone's favorite subject? It's not entrepreneurship. It's not personal growth. You know, it's not yoga. It's it's themselves, right? And I think that this works really good. Asking about a person's name works really well for names that you're not familiar with, right? Eighty percent of names you meet are pretty are pretty um, ubiquitous, right? You know, like Luke, Jim, Valerie, Michael, Chris, like names you've heard before. But you meet an Afzal or a Rudiger or somebody, then you can ask. What can you ask about a person's name? I don't know, like, how do you spell it? Where's it from? What does it mean? You know, like, what's the origin? Are you named after this? I mean, there's so many questions you could ask about it. And like, for example, I was doing a training at the country's largest uh, life insurance company, about 100 people in the room. And the training director's name was Nankita. Nankita. And I was like, wow, that's a beautiful name. You know, how do you spell it? Where's it from? And I said, what does it mean? And she paused. I'm like, what does it mean? And then she looked at her coworkers and it said, um... My name means graceful, falling waters. And I was like, wow, that's beautiful. And then a lot of her coworkers like, and based on that, I was like, wait, wait, stop a second. I was like, how long have you worked here? She's like, a little over four years. They're like, you know a lot of people here? She's like, yeah, I know all of them, a lot of good friends at my wedding. I was like, yeah, I talked to the audience. I was like, raise your hand if you knew that's what Nankita's name meant. And out of a hundred people, how many people raised their hand? Not one person, wow. right? And I would say, you've heard the phrase, a name is the sweetest sound to a person's ears. Right. It is like literally the most important word out there for somebody. It's their identity, right? Who they are. 
And I would say that, you know, really asking about a person's name could create that bond. You know, not only was that person a long-term client for years and years and years, but having that connection to someone's name. So ask about a person's name. Where is it from? How do you spell it? What does it mean? And it works really well because it gives you more associations. Plus, by asking these questions, it forces your observation, going back to the power of focus and presence. And then finally, the V and the E in suave. The V stands for um, visualize, meaning, Luke, you mentioned this actually in passing. I bet you're much better with faces than you are with names. Like you see oh, somebody yeah. and you're like, I remember your face. Totally. Like you never, you, you never say the opposite. You never go to somebody, you know, and say, "I remember your name, but I forgot your face." Right. Right. That, right. Would, that wouldn't make any sense. But the reason why is our visual cortex is, is very large, and we tend to remember more what we see than what we hear. Actually, there's a Chinese proverb that says, "What I hear, I forget. What I see, I remember. What I do, I understand. What I hear, I forget. I heard the name, I forgot the name. What I see, I remember. I saw the face, I remember the face." And going back to practice, you know, what I do, I understand, which, which really is my message to everyone listening to this. You know, I, I really think that all the podcasts, coaching, online programs, events, none of that works if you don't work it. You know what I mean? Knowledge is not power. It's only the potential to be power is to apply it, going back to exercise and understanding. But I would say visualize, if you tend to remember what you see, because the world thinks in pictures, right? And it communicates in pictures, when you're on an airplane, when you flew out here, it didn't, the airplane didn't say, fasten your seatbelt, right? What did you see? You saw a picture. A little uh, you stick know. figure with the seatbelt. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't say, no longer on an airplane does it say, no smoking. What do you see? A cigarette with a line through it. So we think and communicate through pictures. We remember pictures better than words. So if you tend to remember what you see, then try seeing what you remember. And this is using a mnemonic trick where you take someone's name and you turn it into a picture. So if you meet somebody named Matt, for a split second, imagine using their tie as a doormat. And you're like, Jim, that's so silly and childish. But who are the fastest learners? Like children, right? Children learn quickly. And part of it, honestly, is because they play. But people say, oh, I stopped playing because I grew older. No, maybe you grew older because you stopped playing. And the fastest learners play all the time, right? And so what I would say is be playful about this. Use your imagination, which releases superpower. If a person's name is Mike, imagine you meet someone named Mike. You know, like say you're meeting 10 people, like you said, at a dinner party or whatever. Meet Mike for a split second when he says, hi, I'm Mike. Imagine them jumping on the table and singing karaoke on a microphone. And remember, if it makes you laugh, information is forgettable. But information combined with emotion makes it more memorable. And then when you say goodbye, you know, two hours later, like, oh, that, what was that guy doing? I always seeing karaoke on the, on the table. What's his name? Mike, right? And that's the reminder. because our rem- And then once you know, by the way, these people's names, the true memory, then the pictures disappear. So you meet this one named Mary and imagine you meet Mary and imagine for a split second she's carrying two lambs underneath her arms. Like Mary had a little lamb, right? Or you meet a Bob, I use apples for bobbing with apples, right? You meet Carol and she's singing Christmas carols or whatever, but it gives you more of an association and a picture. And that's why you're more likely to remember it because it's like um, something called the Baker-Baker paradox. I don't know if you've read research on this where they'll take a group focus group and they'll have somebody walk in and say, hi, my name is Mr. Baker and leave. And then they'll have somebody else walk in and say, hi, I am a baker and then leave. Somebody else say, hi, I am Miss Taylor and leave. Somebody else walk in, hi, I am a tailor and leave. Right, and that will just repeat. Then they bring the people back, and then which one do you think the focus group remembered? 
the occupation or the name? Occupation. Across the board, right? Wow. Now, but it's the same. What research scientists don't understand is like, same word, Taylor, Taylor, Baker, Baker. It's only the same literally word. Why would you remember the occupation so much more than the, uh, than the name? Well, their occupation could have some future relevance to you. Mm-hmm. So there's motivation or yeah. relevance. Yeah. It also gives you Taylor. a story. I need a tailor. <laughs> right, exactly. And there's an association there also. Yeah. You know, meaning, yeah. And there's a story there. Like someone's a baker, you can know a little bit about their life. And you could see these things, like the person dressed up like a, like a baker and stuff. So the visual memory is very powerful. So the V in suave means visualize. So if you meet a John, you could picture... Well, whatever you picture for John. <laughs> and then <laughs> Poor fi- John. <laughs> finally, the E in suave stands for end. End. Meaning you say their name when you say goodbye. So you, because if you could walk into a room of 20 strangers and leave saying goodbye to every single one of them using their name, who are they all going to remember? Oh, damn. They're that's, all going to remember you. That's player move right there. Yeah, and that, that's a standout skill. Because especially in this world, because it's not just you remembering them, you want to be, you want them to remember you. And because most people forget names and they fumble over names, just having that one little ability, and again, anyone can do this, no matter your age, your background, your career, your education level, your financial situation, your gender, your personal history, your IQ, it's all trainable. That's incredible uh, because it's it seems, I guess, for those of us that haven't ever put any effort into training, that it's an IQ issue. And that's, I think, a really um, another one of those negative self beliefs, right? Is that, oh, wow, you have a good memory. Oh, you must be smarter than I. Meanwhile, you see people that have a horrible memory or they just haven't been trained to use it and they're very successful in a number of ways. So they have intelligence, you know? And I think that we kind of equate those oftentimes because we don't know that there is even a skill set to get us there. I I think they should have, I think it should have been the fourth R in school. You know, in this school system, they teach you three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic. But what about remembering? What about recall? What about retention? Remember, Socrates says, learning is remembering. Because if you don't remember it, you don't know it. And the reason why it's important in today's day and age is, I think everyone would agree that their life, everyone who's listening to this, our life is a reflection of our decisions, you know, that we've made to this point. Right? What we're going to do, where we're going to live, who we're going to be with, all that. But we can only make a good decision based on the knowledge that we have. And if you don't remember it, you don't have that knowledge. And so memory is a real force multiplier. It, could, it can magnify you in so many ways. You know, and not only your peace of mind, but your profitability and your productivity, your performance. In terms of outside of what we discussed about memory and just brain health yeah. in general, do you have any thoughts on uh, neurofeedback? Have you, do you have any experience with that in terms of helping with focus and things like that? I do, I do. Um, because uh, my brain injuries, I've had three traumatic brain injuries. You know, I went to, uh, I went to actually Dr. Daniel Amen and got a brain scan, a spec scan, and I do uh, neurofeedback regularly. I have a machine myself oh, also cool. as well. Because, you know, the brain is interesting because for most people, it's this black box, right? Because you could see your six-pack abs and everything that people see on Instagram, but you can't see what's between your ears. And Dr. Amen has this comment saying it's interesting because a lot of those doctors, they, they, they treat the brain without looking at the brain, you know, like a psychiatrist or something, as opposed to like a cardiologist will look at your heart or somebody will look at different organs, but your brain, it's really not. And so I've done a lot of that. I've gone to, uh, you know, 40 years of Zen. And oh, I've done nice. That I like to that too. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And so I feel like um, the more, you know, your brain is this incredible supercomputer, but it doesn't come with an owner's manual. And I feel like if you want to 
prove your self-esteem for those people who don't feel like they're enough. You know, I feel like we won because you just just study your brain. It'll improve your self-esteem overnight. It is so amazing. I mean, in the amount of connections that are there, the the the, the billions of of neurons and, and dendrites and synapses. It's like it's like the cosmos in there. And um, so, neurofeedback is very powerful. Um, have, I, you, have you by chance uh, scanned your brain with Dr. Amen and then done a series of neurofeedback and then gone back? Have you seen like quantitative results visually? Oh, wow, my brain lit up in this dormant yeah. area or anything I, I like that. I do a lot of so I do a lot of things, right? You know, you know, I I have like a flow tank, you know, in my home. I do the project <laughs> oh, nice, therapy. Dude. I do my 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 infrared, and I do a lot of things that I. That I that I do my meditation. I do twice uh, twice a day, always, and so I do a lot of things. And that that's my my thing with everybody is people need to find out what the combination lock is for them. You know, before I was talking about a good brain diet because what you eat matters, especially for your gray matter. We did a podcast episode on my show with the top ten brain foods. You know, and how to just because you know they're very neuroprotective because what you eat matters, especially for your gray matter also as well, but maximizing, optimizing your sleep. That's a big one. Um, I suffered and struggled with like sleep apnea for a long time. And that, that was hard because I would stop breathing 200 times or more a night. Whoa. And, you know, I wake up suffocating. So everybody has their own did challenges. Did you end up finding a solution to that? Yeah. I mean, I did a lot. I, I mean, I, 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 I did a lot in terms of, um, you know, personal care. I had a, a CPAP device, a dent, multiple dental devices and, you know, every biohacking tool you can imagine in terms of pillows and blankets of different temperatures and blackout curtains and everything you can imagine. Um, so everyone has their own struggles, but I think, you know, for anyone who's struggling with something right now, um, I think I had a lot of post-traumatic stress, you know, as, as a kid, you know, growing up like a lot of people have. Um, but what people don't realize is for anyone who's gone through a lot of difficulty, there's also post-traumatic growth. I think people should Google that post-traumatic growth that some of some people listening to this have gone through um, very hard experiences in their life that they would never wish upon anybody, but have come through it in a way that they look at it as a positive light experience. Meaning, um, they got they found something there. They found a strength. They found a mission. They found clarity, a purpose, a belief in themselves, or something came positive came out of it. So I would say through through struggles could lead to strength through challenges could lead to change. That difficult times could, they could diminish you or they could define you or they could develop you. But either way, we, we decide. We always decide. Something I wanted to cover in our last couple of minutes here is procrastination. I've heard you share some really great stuff on that. And I know I'm not alone in uh, the audience and, um, and host here in that oftentimes, you kind of mentioned it earlier when you said, how the inbox can become our mm-hmm. to-do list. And how about if we just set the intention, hey, I'm going to you know, write down mm-hmm. the three most needle-moving, big-picture things that I can do today and at least accomplish one of those before I go to email. Uh, I know for myself, I'll have that idea, but oftentimes you get this false satisfaction of, well, I'm getting shit done. I'm answering my emails. Right. I, you know, I walk the dog. I'm, I'm, I'm kicking ass. And it's like, not really. I'm avoiding eating the frog. So right. to speak, by keeping myself busy with the minutia, mm. so my my subconscious kind of thinks I'm getting stuff done and being productive, but it's not the stuff. Capital T, capital S. Okay. So, what are some ways that we can like really just dive in and get the things that are important yeah. done and not put them off? 
because they're seemingly difficult or whatever the case may be. I would say this, if you're listening to this right now, you struggle with either procrastination or self-sabotage, where people will take a step towards something, but then like stop or take a step back, kind of that kind of thing. Um, a few things. Number one, it's been my experience that the treasure you seek is hidden in the work you're avoiding. The treasure you seek is hidden in the work you're avoiding or that you're, you're scared of. You know what I mean? That's uh, so true. You know, it's like yeah. that cave, if you will, like in, in Star Wars, um, that you get a feeling and, and it makes your life harder. And so what I'm looking for in my life are focal points. I, I, did, um, one, I did a recent episode in a power plant um, and I opened the podcast with one day the power plant just stops. Like, you know, all the workers are freaking out and they're like, what's going on? And the, the training, the operations manager doesn't know what to do after hours and calls the local technician and it's like, you got to help me. You saved my business, please. We're in a lot of trouble here. Everything's shut down. It's dead quiet. And technician's like, you're lucky. I'm around the corner. Technician shows up and the power plant's huge. And in the power plant are all these beams. And on these beams are have all these electrical boxes, right? He goes to one specific beam, the technician, he goes to one specific electrical box. He puts a big X on it with a marker. He opens up the box and inside, as you imagine, there are bolts and wires and screws. He looks around, he finds one screw, specific screw. He turns it not a quarter of an inch and then bam, the entire power plant turns back on. And the, the operations manager is like, oh my God, you saved my, our business. Thank you so much. He was like, what do I owe you? And he, <laughs> the technician looked at him and was like, that would be $10,000. And the operations manager was like, what? You were here for five minutes. You know, all you did was turn one screw. Anybody here could have turned that same screw. He's like, give me an itemized bill. He's like, no problem. He reaches into his back pocket notebook, takes out a piece of paper, writes really quickly, tears it out, hands it to him. And the guy looks at the bill and he's like, I understand. He goes to his desk, he takes out his checkbook, writes a check of $10,000, hands it to him. And you look at the, uh, the bill and it says this, turning screw, $1.00. Knowing what screw to turn, $9,999. And my point to everyone listening is my message is not that you have a screw loose. That's not my message. My message for you is in life, there are certain screws that turn everything else on. And I call it a focal point. You know, this is a forced multiplier, a lead domino, if you will, that when you hit that, other things happen. There's a ripple effect. And my life is about finding the little things that make a big difference. You know, in all my, my show, you know, I have a 15 minute podcast. It's all about like, here's the one thing that could help you with learning languages or such. Now, when it comes to procrastination, what that one thing for me, it's a few things um, that, but these are the screws that I feel like going to give you the Pareto's principle, like the 80, 20 rule, right? The 20% that give you 80% of the rewards. I would say number one, a framework is three H's. I call it H cubed, head, heart, hands, that you could vision things in your head all day, set goals and intentions with your head, but if you're not acting with your hands, procrastinating, check in with the second H again, which is your heart, going back to the power of emotion. Because we are not logical, we're biological. So think about the do dopamine, the oxytocin, the serotonin, the endorphins. I mean, we're a chemical soup, and I'm saying that people don't buy logically, they buy emotionally, right? We are emotional creatures. Find that why. So we'll, we'll overcome procrastination. Number one, if you're so good at procrastinating, the procrastinate procrastination, like put it off, right? <laughs> put off putting it off, right? But the second thing I would say is find the reasons. Reasons reap results. So if you're not doing these things, 
it's because you're distracting yourself, but really feel the pain sometimes. Because here's the other thing. If you just do the easy things in your life all the time, which is procrastinating, putting things off, then life becomes hard. And everyone knows this. We all have experience. If we put something off long enough, our life gets very, very difficult long-term. But if you, so if you do the easy things, life becomes hard. But isn't it interesting? The opposite is also true. If you do the hard things, life becomes easy. And I would say that do be disciplined because when we die and we're in that casket, there's no room in there for possessions. I don't, I don't invest in a lot of possessions and I'm not judging anyone who does. But also in that box, there's not a lot of room for regret. And they say that, you know, discipline weighs ounces, regret weighs tons, right? So do, do the things you need to do and life will get easier. The other thing I would say when it comes to procrastination is there's something called the Zygarnik effect. And it's a term in psychology. There's a psychologist, wanted, she was in uh, Europe and she noticed that at this cafe, the wait staff would remember all the orders. You have ever like a waiter or waitress like this, they remember like all the orders, drinks and everything else like that. They remember all the orders until they were delivered. And once they were delivered, they would forget it, right? But this, and her last name was Zygarnik. They called it the Zygarnik effect is if you start something, you have an open loop, your mind really wants to close that loop, right? So the other way of overcoming procrastination is to break it down into bite-sized pieces because most people, you know, it's a big monster and it's too intimidating, so they never approach it. But if you break it down and just start somewhere, anywhere, you're more likely to finish that thing. And the last thing I would say that's going to help you crush, I did this video on YouTube. I have a, like a 10-foot Hulk in my backyard. And like, so if you search Jim Quick Smash Procrastination, you know, Hulk smashes. I did five tips on smashing procrastination. I did a podcast on it. The last thing I would give you is a framework of why you avoid doing things. Okay, so watch this. This is going to blow people's minds. All of us have a behavior we want to change. We either want to add it or subtract it. We want to stop smoking. We want to start meditating. We want to move, move every day, whatever, right? There's behavior. But motivation and willpower only gets you so far, right? If you have to psych yourself up to do something every single time, that, that's not sustainable, right? The reason why it's not is because you're ignoring the other levels, all right? So here's another level above behavior. It's this level called capability. Capability is your training or your skill set, right? So a lot of people, let's say they want to read, 30 minutes a day, right? I like to get people reading at least one book a week. That's my thing. If you could read, most people read two books a year, but if you could read 52 books a year, you have an advantage like nobody has. Do you count listening to a book in that sure. recommendation? Yeah. But, okay. I, but, because I, I, you know, because we have podcasts and such, I like listening to them at 1.5 or 2x or faster. You could read, you could li- learn that fast, but nobody could read that fast. But there's so many studies that show that people who read, it's like, it's the number one brain exercise bar none is reading. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I can explain it okay. another time. But so let's say you want to read 30 minutes a day. Some people do not read 30 minutes a day because they don't have the capability, because they're not good readers. It makes them tired. They lose focus when they read. They read a page in a book, get to the end, just forget what they just read. They, it's so boring for them, they start counting how many more pages they have left in that chapter, right? So if they were better at it, there's something called the competence-confidence loop in psychology, because as you get more competent, you get more confident. And as you get more confident, you're more likely to do the thing, get better at it, and then it becomes a positive cycle. So number one is behavior. Don't try to change behavior. Look at your training or capability. But even if you have the capability, like you know how to remember names, but you're not doing it, check the next level, right? The behavior is you want to remember names. Even if you've listened to this podcast, you know how now, and you're not doing it because you have the capabilities, check the next level, which is beliefs and values. Because if you have a belief like, oh, I'm not, I have a horrible memory, then you're not going to remember names. 
If you have a value saying, oh, remembering names is not that important, you're not going to remember, the, you're not going to do the behavior, right? And it can come off like you're procrastinating, but it's just an issue on belief or values. And then look at the highest level, level of identity, which we've spoke about. The identity is like the two most powerful words in the English language are I am, because anything that comes after that becomes your life, your destiny, right? And so the behavior is you might want to stop smoking, right? That's the behavior. You, capability, maybe you're trained on self-hypnosis on how to stop smoking. Maybe you even value your health. But if your identity is, I am a smoker, eh, not going to happen because you're not, you're trying to address it at the behavior level, like, oh my God, I can't. So that's the problem. You got to address it at the identity level. So if somebody's behavior is they procrastinate all the time, but their identity is, I am a procrastinator. Eh, you see what you saw what I'm talking about? Yeah. And then there are interventions yeah. at each of those levels. You know, all the, all the change work people you've had on your show on how to adjust this. I'll give you one last level though. Below behavior is this level of environment, right? Somebody might want to change the behavior about eating good food, but they're around people that just are snacking all the time or smoking all the time. That environment affects that, right? So like somebody could behaviorally want to remember more people and, and be more extroverted and remember names, but they're not in an environment that allows them to do it. It's going to affect. Now, going back full circle, I opened this conversation saying questions are the answer. The difference that makes the difference is in people's thinking and thinking is nothing but the process of asking and answering questions. There are five primary questions you learn in school, the five W's, and then the H, right? The what, where, why. So Matt, watch this. Identity is the highest level. That answers the question of who. Beliefs and values answers the question of why. Capabilities answers the question of how. Behavior answers the question of what. And the environment answers the question of when and where. And so it's complete, Damn. right? And so my That's thing cool. with making positive change, when I teach people how to read three times faster, which is on average what we do with our online programs or remember names or learning languages or change their habits or whatever it is, we get people to stick because we address all those levels, right? So it's complete. And when you're completely congruent and aligned, you, it looks like you're going through the world like you're this magician, right? Because things are effortlessly. It's just like you're working smart because you're not fighting yourself on different, you know, like different poles, different area levels are in like in, in, in conflict with each other. That's amazing, dude. So I'm saying if you want to procrastinate, yeah. if you're procrastinating on a behavior, maybe you're not procrastinating. Maybe you need to look at these other levels and there's a sticking point. And people say it in their language, Luke, they'll, cause they'll say, I can't do that. And they'll emphasize, you listen to languaging, I, and you know, it's an identity level. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So people always yeah. share. The answers are always right in front of you if you're willing to listen. Wow. That's a, lot. <laughs> that's, a lot. that's a lot of value, dude. That's some great information. Thank you so much. This is Lately, I've gotten out of the habit of listening to my own show. I, I did it for the first year and a half or so just to make sure I wasn't screwed it up too bad. And I, you know, I just wanted to fine tune. Now I'm not cut up, but I'm going to have to listen to this one because that was like... A lot of really yeah. great Can powerful information. Who's listening to this right now? Yeah, I would, I would yeah, challenge. Yeah. And then I have one final question to okay. close this out. I would challenge everybody to do that exactly to re-listen to this, take notes. And my final words of advice for this is: if you want to learn faster, teach it to somebody else. I find that if if somebody had to re-listen to this episode and teach it to like their friend or their spouse or their kids or there's somebody they work with, they would pay attention better. They would take better notes. They would ask better questions and do all these things, right? They would make it their own. I believe when you teach something, you get to learn it twice. So I challenge everyone who's listening to this right now to take a screenshot of this episode, to post on social media, Instagram, wherever, tag both of us, 
and teach us something. Like share your big aha from this episode. And then when you teach it, it changes your identity because I think the best teachers are the best students, right? So it actually ingrains it. So I challenge everyone to screenshot it, tag us both and post your big like benefit or aha from this conversation. I love that. That's cool, And I'll actually repost some of my favorite ones. I do that too. I do that too. So, well, Matt, thank you so much. In closing, uh, you've taught me about a thousand principles to contemplate and integrate today. Who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life or your work? Okay. So um, it's kind of an easy answer for me. Um, anything that's good that's come out of me, but so I have to articulate this, came from my parents. You know, um, They have a typical immigrant story where they came here and no, no money. They knew no one, no education. We live in the back of a laundromat, you know, like that whole story. Um, they're not the most spiritual or the wealthiest or the healthiest or anything, but they're just really good people you know, kind and they do what they say and they do no harm. And I just feel like anything that's ever good for me came from them. Anything that's not is totally on me. So I, I, <laughs> I, I, I own, I own that. Right. Um, one of my mentors early on, when I was, when I mentioned I was struggling when I was 18 years old, um, I hit a wall and talk about the power of perspective, right? Um, I was ready to quit my freshman year of school because I, I just was not doing well. And a friend said, Hey, why don't you, um, come home with me? and uh, get some perspective before you tell your parents you're going to quit college. You're the oldest in an Asian family. You know, like, this is not going to look really good. And I was like, okay. And I go visit them and the family is very um, well off and I'm, I'm not, I didn't grow up in that environment. But the fathers walked me around the property um, before dinner and asked me a very innocent question, which is the worst question he could ask me, Luke. He says, how's school? And I'm like, oh my God, I start bawling. I'm like, I don't know, I'm a broken brain and I'm, this is nuts for me. I'm going to tell my mom, my dad, I'm like, I'm quitting so embarrassing. And he's like, Jim, why are you in school? What do you want to be, do, have, share? Another question, right? Power questions. And I go to answer him and he's like, wait, he takes out of his back pocket a journal and he takes out a couple sheets of paper and makes me write it down. And, you know, writing down is very important. It's the first step of taking something invisible and make it visible, right? In your dreams. And I make a bucket list. And when I'm done, I start folding it up to put it in my pocket, thinking the exercise is over and he grabs that on my hand. And now he's looking at my dreams and I'm freaking out because I never expressed this to anybody, much less to strangers, obviously doing very well. And I don't know how much time goes by, but he looks at me, he says, Jim, you are this close to everything on this list. And for those people who aren't watching or listening, I'm spreading my index fingers about a foot apart. And I was like, no way, give me 10 lifetimes. I'm not gonna crack that list. He takes his two fingers and puts it aside of my head, meaning what's in between, like my brain is like the key, right? And he takes me into a room of his home I've never seen before. You would love it. It's wall to wall, ceiling to floor, covered in books. Like I've never seen a library in somebody's house before, right? And remember, I have never read a book cover to cover ever. Like it's, I'm phobic. It's like walking into a room full of snakes. Like I'm like, <laughs> oh, what makes it worse is he starts grabbing snakes off the wall and hands them to me. And I'm freaking out. And I start looking at these titles and there are these biographies of some incredible men and women in history. And um, some really early personal growth books, Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking. Like I didn't have access to any of this stuff because I didn't have the money or the network or, you know, everyone always says like, uh, you know, some external resource that's going to make them great education or money or contacts, you know, like most people didn't have any of this, you know, growing up who's achieved a lot of stuff, you know, because they just did the difficult, deep work. And I'm looking at these books. He's like, Jim, I want you to read one book a week. I'm like, are you kidding? I, I, I can't even read one, you know, have all this schoolwork. And he looks at me like, Jim, don't let school get in the way of your education. And I'm like, oh, that, that sounds really good. I know it's a Mark Twain quote because it was a long time ago. But I was like, yeah, but I, I can't commit because I'm going to commit. Like my parents told me I'm going to do it, right? And he's like, smart man, he pulls out my bucket list 
and he starts reading my dreams out loud one by one. And honestly, Luke, a lot of things on that list were things I wanted to do for my family that they could never afford, they would never do for themselves. So going back to human motivation, the power of like asking why, your reasons, and how that was leveraged. So I agreed to read one book a week and I couldn't. So when I'm back at school, I have a pile of books I have to read for school and a pile of books I want to read that I promised to. And that's what put me in that hospital all those years ago because I was not eating, not sleeping, not taking care of myself and everything. But I would say he was a mentor for me. So those three people, my, my mom, my dad, and him, and the rest of them, honestly, were mentors in my mind because I've never met anybody that I didn't learn something from. I believe that like children, when I spend time with children, I learn so much. You know what I mean? I learn so much from every individual because everybody has a life experience that I don't have and they can be an example or they can be a warning you know, of what I, I could learn. But I do believe the life you live are the lessons you teach. The life you live are the lessons you teach other people. And my message for everybody is in order to don't keep this in your head, do something with it because it becomes a part of you and that shows up. Like I was, I was with Will Smith recently. I, I was helping, you know, I help actors remember lines and he was shooting from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And I was like, how do you get ready at 3 a.m.? Like when the director finally says, all right, get on set and do a... He was like, Jim, I don't have to get ready. I stay ready. I'm like, whoa, okay. Damn. Good to be Will Smith. But <laughs> he's an example. He works so hard. You know, he's even said like nobody, I did an Insta story with him. I was like, what are two things for your, you do for your brain? He's like, I read and I run. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. Something physical and do something mental every single day. He's like, yeah, Jim. He's like, if I'm on a treadmill and you're on a treadmill, like I, one thing's going to happen. It's like, you know, either, you know, I'm going to win or I'm going to like die trying to win because his determination, but his life is a reflection of just how he lives his life. And I feel like all of us are that. So the people that change me the most are the people I meet every single day. And, and especially with books, because books were like my best friends growing up. That's awesome, man. Thank you. And in closing, where can we find you, website, social media, and all that? Real simple. If people resonated with anything we talked about, um, my podcast, I launched a podcast recently. It's called Quick Brain. Um, you could go to kwikbrain.com and get all the free videos and get subscribed there. Um, and my show is uh, Brain Bites for Busy People Want to Learn Faster and Achieve More. Every episode is only 15 minutes. Um, and uh, my goal is to give you one something that's just really powerful that you could use. So we've done episodes on how to change your habits, how to become, you know, my morning routine is the most popular episode, the 10 things I do every single morning that jumpstart my brain how to read a book a week. We did four episodes on speed reading. We did three episodes on how to remember names and faces. And, um, and then on social media, I'm like you. you know, I like to connect with people and answer questions there. I do Instagram and Facebook Lives all the time. So love to answer your questions there. So I'm at Jim Quick, J-I-M-K-W. That's where my real name, K-W-I-K. My father's name, my grandfather's name. And, cool, um, man. Well, thank you so much. And we'll, of course, you guys put that in the show notes. You can go to uh, lukestray.com forward slash newsletter. Sign up for the newsletter and you won't get this one that you're listening to because it already happened, but you'll get next week's show and everyone after that. However, you'll be able to find this, uh, all the links on my site to find uh, find Jim and all his hijinks that he's up to. So, <laughs> so dude, thank you so much for joining me. Luke, it's great to see you. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And me too, thank man. You, thank you for all you do. You know, I, I could appreciate it because it's not only for what you do, but the manner you do it. Thank you, sir. Okay, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. Now, I'm going to do a little test here. Since Jim Quick taught us all how to master our memory, I'm going to give you a little quiz. Do you remember the two calls to action that I gave you in the intro? 
And for those of you little sneakers that use that little 30-second fast-forward button, you won't have an opportunity to take this test. You're just going to hear it for the first time now. What I'd love for you to do is to share this episode with a couple friends. Make it two, three, four, five friends as a little holiday gift to your old pal Luke story. Uh, help me get this uh, podcast out into the masses. It helps everyone involved. The more people hear this show, the more they learn about health and spirituality. And the bigger the show gets, the more uh, pick of the litter I have to really book the guests that I'm dying to talk to. It's all about the downloads. And speaking of downloads, I'm just about to hit 2 million downloads. Finally, I feel like I've been crawling to the finish line. I want to thank each and every one of you who have not only listened to the show, but those of you that have um, heeded my request to share it with friends. I know many of you do that. And uh, I just want to say from my heart, most sincerely, I thank you. And what was the other thing that I asked you to remember? Do, do, dum, bum, 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 bum. It was to join the Facebook group. That's right. If you go into Facebook and uh, search the Lifestylist Podcast, you will find me and a bunch of other Lifestylist Podcast fanatics in there asking questions, answering questions. Um, I get a lot of DMs on Instagram. If you've DM'd me on there, by the way, my Instagram is at Luke Story. Follow me. It's pretty awesome. Uh, if you DM me, you're going to get a cut and paste thing. This is, wow, thank you so much, but I don't answer questions on Instagram. Wah, wah. Please join the Facebook group. Why do I do that? Because I'm a jerk? No, because I don't, I, like, it would be a full-time job to sit there and answer DMs on Instagram all day long. Like, seriously, who can do that? Um, I'd have to hire a full-time assistant or something. But they wouldn't know the answers because they're not me. So if you have questions about anything we cover on the show, please join the Facebook group and I will do my best to answer. In fact, I answer most questions in there. And I had an idea today, actually, because the group is growing so fast and there's so many damn questions, I can't even keep up with the ones in Facebook. Um, but by the way, I also answer them in Facebook because then it's not just one selfish person that gets to benefit from you know what's hopefully a valid or useful answer from yours truly. But uh, 3,000 people get to hear the answer. See how that works? Better ratio. I was thinking, though, since there's so many questions in there, and many of them are very redundant, uh, you know, because somebody just joined, they don't know that we've already had conversations about, like, the best emf proof clothing or whatever. You know, sometimes, like, people will kind of co-moderate and be like, dude, we already told, he already posted that last year or whatever. Um, you know, it's not your fault if you join late to the party and you don't know that we've already been talking about something. But what I thought to do, which could be cool, is perhaps to do some Q&A episodes. That's something I've been wanting to do for a really long time. And I thought, man, in the time that I'm sitting here typing links and answers to all these questions in the group, I could most certainly just copy and paste those into an Evernote document like I'm staring at right now, which has the outro information for this Jim Quick episode. And I could just, you know, rock the mic like I'm doing right now and do my best to answer the questions. So if you join the Facebook group, it's very likely that I might just shout you out on the show. Um, I guess I will just use your first name in the spirit of anonymity. So don't worry about that. It is a private Facebook group. So uh, if you ask questions in there, I'm not going to like put you on blast on the show for thousands to hear, but um, I will be doing some Q&A shows or something like that. So please join the Facebook group. And then I'd also love for you to tune in next Tuesday for Kabbalah, Finding Freedom from Fear with Monica Berg. Now, Kabbalah is a teaching system uh, that I've been peripherally... Is that a word? Perif, per, per, perif, well, peripherally 
Kabbalah is something that I've been interested in somewhat over the years. It's kind of, it's, you know, it's on the outskirts of my, my area of study. A couple books on it, you know, talk to a couple experts, people into it. I kind of get the gist, but I've really been dying to do a show on it. And I finally did. Um, she is quite a big deal in the uh, Kabbalah tradition and kind of worldwide scene with the Kabbalah centers and all of this stuff. Um, so I'd really love for you to catch that next week because you know what? Fear is kind of uh, is kind of the root of the whole problem with all of us, isn't it? I mean, anything I've ever wanted to do in my life that I haven't done, I would say at the root of that block is some sort of fear. You know what I'm saying? Fear of success, fear of failure. We're going to dig in on Tuesday on number 179 with Monica Berg. And we're going to find a damn solution to this here fear using the principles of Kabbalah. So make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss it. Finally, a shout out to this week's sponsors, without whom this episode and all of those to follow would not exist, literally. So please support our sponsors. Here's one for you, Skillshare. You can go to Skillshare.com forward slash lifestylist and you will get two months of this amazing service for just 99 cents. That's like nothing. Cents don't mean anything. I throw pennies on the ground just to prove that I'm abundant. 99 of them is like, nada. Skillshare.com forward slash lifestylist. You can take high quality, very engaging online classes on Skillshare and learn just about anything that you want to learn. So instead of Googling around, no, YouTubing around for some whack ass videos with a bunch of ads and then the video is not even like a good lesson on whatever it is you're trying to learn, et cetera, et cetera. This always happens to me. I'm like, oh, I want to learn how to use you know, a project management software, Asana, whatever, or some new software that I'm recording with and I'll like Google it and it's some freaking, it's some crackly voice little teenager on there that doesn't know shit and I can't learn anything from them and I've, you know, now invested four or five minutes to figure out it was a crappy YouTube video. That doesn't happen with Skillshare. They have real teachers teaching real stuff. Skillshare.com forward slash lifestylist. Next up, Cured Nutrition. Ah, the CBD. How I love the CBD. Yes, you can go to curednutrition.com forward slash the lifestylist and use the code lifestylist to check out to save 10% off their delicious food substances that are um, fortified with CBD. Now, not THC. You're not going to get faded like I talked about in the intro, like someone I know used to do. Uh, but you will get healthy. That's curednutrition.com forward slash the lifestylist. And if you use the code lifestylist, you will save 10% off. Finally, last but most certainly not least, Altera Pure, my favorite organic bedding. This stuff is not only organic, it's non-GMO. They treat the people that grow the cotton and dye the cotton and do the sewing and all the things very well. They treat the planet well. This is a model company. Go to alterapure.com. Use the code LIFESTYLIST to save 15% off the most cozy, the softest, the highest quality, most beautiful organic bedding you've ever touched in your life. I sleep with Altera Pure every night. We have a very intimate relationship, me and them sheets. alterapure.com. The code is LIFESTYLIST to save 15%. Happy holidays to you and yours. I'll see you next Tuesday with Monica Berg, where we talk about finding freedom from fear. Don't forget to share the show with a friend. 
This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.